is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. I object. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. It's that us. That is us. As Paul says, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. Give us a follow or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at so says J. Paul. Dervish of the world. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And in case you don't know this already, Fanning the Flames is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever your favorite podcasts can be found. And brightsideofthesun.com. And brightsideofthesun.com. <laughs> Feel free to leave us... Uh, comments on the post once it's posted yeah yeah i agree i agree with that look at also paul. look at rate paul. review all that stuff five look at, stars look at paul taking <laughs> look at paul taking initiative and then ripping off solar panel <laughs> five stars typical typical all right no two-star reviews let's not get I, let's <laughs> not even let's not even look look we're Switzerland. Uh, what are you talking about? We're Switzerland. <laughs> are we? No, we're not. Okay. But hey, 2020, we're Switzerland now. It's okay. 2020. It's a new right. year. New year, new you, baby. Even though this is our second podcast of the year on the 21st. Yeah. Whole different issue that we're working on as well. Deal with it. You love us for it. All right. Let's talk about the... What are we here to talk about, Paul? DeAndre Ayton? The Phoenix Suns. Oh uh, yeah, Jesus! I feel like so I know. Where, I didn't know if you were like trying to. Shouldn't we be able to vibe off each other? We've been doing this for so long. No, you would, you would think. Not. You would think. I gave you the. Phoenix. We, 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 we did. We did our. We did our uh, pre prelim way too long ago. I, ga- I, ga- I <laughs> gave over you a text message. I gave you the eyes. Even I was like, mm, you know what we're I'm talking giving about. Giving you All eyes. Right. So <laughs> let's talk about the Suns. So Paul will stop giving me the eyes, as he calls them. We got a couple things we want to talk about here on this episode of Fanning the Flames. We'll start with this one, Paul. Okay. You know, Kelly Oubre has been a galvanizing force, I feel like a lot of people would say, to the Phoenix Suns since he's arrived. Yeah, he's the heart and soul of the team. Heart and soul of the team. Now, along those lines, I think, and the statistics will back this up, the Suns kind of come and go as Kelly Oubre comes and goes. And now that I'm on this, I feel like I should have maybe researched this a little bit and come up with these exact numbers. But in the games where, like, Kelly Oubre scores, like, 20-plus points, the Suns are, like, four or five games above 500. When he scores under, well, we know the rest of that story. Yeah. So the Suns kind of come and go as Kelly Oubre comes and goes. That said, we are now just removed from two games where Kelly Oubre did not play. Yes. The and the Suns game he did play. Were two and zero oh in those games he did not play. They lost the game against the Spurs where he did play. Barely, barely. A lot of stuff has circulated around Twitter about what role certain players should have in this team. A lot of times that boils down to Mikael Bridges and Kelly Oubre, yes. and whether one should start over the other. And we talked about this during the preseason. Mm-hmm. And the consensus on the pod here was Kelly Oubre. Okay, you're looking at me like it wasn't. I said Kelly Oubre should start. Maybe you said Mikael Bridges should start. I think I did say okay. Mikael Bridges should start. 
Last pod, we talked about how really the Suns' most effective lineups include Mikhail Bridges. Yes. So now that we are halfway through the season, should we look at it differently or should I look at it differently? Should Mikhail Bridges be starting right now over Kelly Oubre? That was a super long roll into this question, but you got where I'm going. I did. Okay. Here's the thing, though. I think one of the best lineups the Suns have has both of both them. in it. If it might not even be their best lineup, is base is Rubio, Booker, Bridges, Ubre, Aiton. I mean, it doesn't have that many minutes just because Aiton missed twenty five games. Mm-hmm. But still, there there's enough of a sample there at this point that it's. Trending in the right direction. And just for the record, you are absolutely correct. And it's like something stupid, like they're like plus 39 or something. Aiton, Booker, Bridges, Ubre, Rubio. In 47 minutes and 53 seconds of playing time, they are plus 41.3 points, which doesn't make sense. I'm sure that's broken down by per hundred, but you know what I mean. Yeah. However, however it works out. And the second, and to your point, the second most efficient or the second best lineup plus minus differential wise uh, is at 33.7 points plus per Who's in that lineup? It's Booker Bridges. (laughs) Bad example, I feel. Javon Carter, Cam Johnson, Frank Kaminsky. How many minutes have they played? 18 minutes. Okay. Next one down after that, 42 minutes together, plus 26, Baines, Booker, Bridges, Ubre, Rubio. Point being, again, you are correct that having both of those guys in the lineup with Booker, Rubio, and Aiton is, on a small sample size, the Suns' best lineup right. plus minus differential wise. And we've seen we've seen that in recent weeks. That is essentially their closing lineup. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of it just comes down to, like, the, is the question really, should Bridges start over Rubio, or is it... Ubre? Or, as I meant, five letters. Fair enough, go on. <laughs> a lot of the same letters. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Both names have a U in it, so, I mean, wh- whose name has a U in it? There's one letter difference between the two of them. There's an E and an I. I feel like you you put some thought into this because I wouldn't have thought of that right offhand. But hey, well done, Paul. Maybe you um, should have been an English teacher, not a CPA. No. Okay, on point. Go on. Is the question should the question be Dario Saric? Right. And I am at this point. I am leaning. Uber should still start, but I'm actually I want to get back to. I would or not get back to, but I really think the goal should be Ubre starts, but Ubre really should be the first guy off the floor, so he can be the first. He can come back when it's a primarily bench lineup. When you need his his scoring, because our bench sucks at scoring. Right, there is no creator, there is no shot maker on that on that team. There's no like pure score. There's some bad point, not bad point guards, but very flawed point guards. Mm-hmm. There's some non-scoring centers. There and there's 
just, you know, some growing and like one dimensional players or. So it sounds to me like your answer to the question is not so much should Bridges start over Ubre, but should Bridges start in place of somebody else with Bridges and Ubre both starting? Well, I think about this a little bit more. Ubre shouldn't be the first one off. Sarge should be the first one off for Bridges to come in. They need more minutes as a unit. Right. That unit should have. That five-man unit should lead this team going forward in minutes played in a given game. Right. And so Sarge is the first one off, then Ubre, and then you just kind of roll from there. And you know, I'll, I'll say I'll say that your your analysis is right in line with what I was thinking, <laughs> which makes it kind of a weird question to ask because at the end of the day, I don't think it necessarily matters who's starting. It's more of a matter of who is putting in more time on the court. Right. Like right now, Ubre is averaging 34 minutes a game. Mikhail Bridges is averaging 23 minutes a game, almost 24 minutes a game. Right. Bridges' minutes have to come up. Now, if we look at it in the vacuum of we have one spot in the starting lineup and, and it's guys. either Bridges or Ubre. I'm fine with Ubre continuing to start, but though, but but Bridges' minutes have to go up one way or another. Right. And if Ubre's minutes frankly come down a little bit, so be it. But I like where you're going from the perspective of that second unit needs an influx of scoring ability. And if you think about it, the way Ubre plays, kind of with reckless abandon, if mm-hmm. you will, on both sides of the right. ball. That, to me, lends itself better in that second unit than with the starters. Because when you sit there, you watch a Suns game, and you see Ubre do what Ubre does, get the ball, put his head down, look to score. Right. And he's got Aiton, he's got Booker, he has Rubio, even anybody else out there who's capable of scoring. You sit there and go, Kelly, look around. Yeah. But if he's on the floor with the likes of a... Elliot Kobo or Javon Carter or Tyler Johnson, Aaron Baines, any of those guys that are generally in the second unit, I wouldn't have any objection to him just putting his head down and looking to score because that's how he can most maximize himself in that particular situation. And this is none of this is to say that I like I think Sarich is very underrated on this team. Like he's because he is the arguably the least talented of our starting court, mm-hmm. he kind of gets shit on a little bit, which I don't agree with. I think he he does a lot of little things that people don't realize. He's a really for his position. He's a really good passer. He's a decent enough shooter. He's a pre- pretty good rebounder. He's. I think he needs minutes too. So I think we like. He would be good to play with the second unit more. I feel like he doesn't get that as much. I, I when they get when he gets pulled off, I don't even know he who go get put, he doesn't play a lot with the second unit. I think he if we're if you're going to reshuffle the lineup to get Bridges more time with the starting unit, mm-hmm. he should be getting like him and Ubre. I think would be a pretty good tandem to balance with 
you know, a bench unit of like Bridges and right. Akobo and Baines, you right. know, because that's kind of a lot of what our starting unit was at the beginning right, of the year, too. Exactly. So. Exactly. And, and it's one of those things where I think, you know, as Aiton gets integrated into the team, and and that's still happening. Yeah. Know, he's what? 12 games in from the suspension at this point. Granted, he missed a few games after his first. Yeah. It's still a work in progress, but I think we're starting to see a pattern develop where that Ubre bridges combinations on the floor more and it, it, together. And it, and it's a matter of figuring out how those two play into the system when they're not on together and how the rotations are going to work. But I mean, based on the games that we've seen, and I should have this in front of me as well, but don't have the exact record, but based on the games that we've seen and the performances we've seen in the past 10, 12 games, it's clear that Monty is starting to kind of figure that out. And just to kind of delve deeper into why Bridges needs more time with guys like Booker and Aiton on the court with him, looking at the Suns' five-man lineups of the top 10, again, when you look at it from the perspective of plus-minus deferential, Bridges is in seven of the top 10 five-man lineups, including five of the top six. And Ubre's in six of the top 10, so he's in only one less, but in only in three of the top six, and two of those are with Bridges. Right. So it goes to your point that having those guys on the court together works out well. And it's kind of funny because you look at it, and it's like Ubre, or excuse me, Bridges has had, what, a couple games ago, he had that 25-point game. Yeah, it increased his three-point shooting percentage by six points. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for him. Um, but, but it's kind of funny because you don't see him like, – Bridges, what he does stat sheet-wise doesn't really jump out that often. That right. was the first time in a long time I'm like, oh, shit. That was like a coming-out party. Right. It. But – It was a career high. He's, so. he's, he's kind of that glue guy, you know, whatever yeah. it is. You know, his defense is, is important, especially when you look at it from the perspective of – Again, looking back at the starting lineup, at least as we've generally seen, and if we just kind of sit there and assume that you've got Booker, Rubio, and Aiton on the court at any given time as the starters, that's enough scoring power. And and it makes sense why that lineup is even more efficient, is better with Bridges on the court because he's not taking away shots from anybody, but he's bringing the defensive ability that he has into play. Um, and, and again, continuing down the path of what Bridges brings to the team and, and total, you know, when you look at the on off Bridges plus minus differential offensive defensive rating on off, what do you think the difference is between when he's on the court versus when he's off the court for defense? Well, I mean, I guess you can look at it either way, like son's offensive rating compared to the other team's offensive rating when he's on versus Sun's offensive rating compared to the other team's offensive rating when he's off. So basically, differential. It's better. (laughs) It is. But what do you think it would be? I mean, from a plus one to a plus 20 to a minus 10, what do you think? Plus six? Plus 10. Oh, wow. Plus 10.2. And in fact, Bridges has, of all the players on the team, the highest rating differential from his on-off numbers. Yeah. Yeah, 
Really, and more so than Booker? Because, like, they're, like, shit without well, Booker. Well, the Booker's court. plus 7.5, but you have to take into account he's got more minutes. Yeah. And he doesn't There's bring as much defensively, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Oubre is only plus 1.5. Right. And and that falls far below any of the other starters, starters. the set starters. Rubio's plus 9.1. Aiton, limited time, is plus 9.2. I mean— For some context, Eliakobo, plus 1.1. Yeah. I mean, I, I admit— Ubre can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, he play his style of play when he doesn't quit it. So, but it, if it's going bad, he doesn't know how to like turn it off. If it's going great, it's going great. Oh yeah. But it can also go bad, and he hasn't figured out how to like play within himself. Sometimes. Well, and and you know, I don't know that that's a bad thing. It's kind of I one don't of those situations because, where yeah. you don't... It, you just play, he just play, tries to play through it. Yeah, he's the type of, type of guy that he's going to take his shots, and I don't know that I necessarily am going to sit there and be like, stop taking your shots, stop doing what you do, because that's who he is as a player. It's like you look at the... Which game was that? The, uh, was the Atlanta game where Booker was just having an absolute piss-poor game and then hit those two threes at the... That wasn't Atlanta. Who was that? Maybe it was Atlanta. No, because we lost to Atlanta. Whoever it was. I can't remember offhand. But he was playing terrible, and then he hit two threes that basically right. brought the Suns back at the end of the game. You don't want Devin Booker to stop. And I'm not saying Kelly Oubre is Devin Booker. He's clearly not. But a player like that, you don't want him to change his mentality because then you start getting into the psychology of an athlete, and you don't want a guy like that who really is a – Dude who, when he gets on a roll, is on a roll, starting right. to doubt himself whether he should continue trying to get himself I, I on I don't think role. I'll ever see Kelly Oubre doubting himself. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. He just doesn't, he just, he has a self-confidence that, I mean, all professional athletes to an extent. You have to. Have to have a level of self-confidence just to get to where they are in the sport that they, they play, but. He's got. I mean, I get the easiest way to describe it is he's got swagger. Like it's not just that it's not just that he has the self confidence. He like projects the self confidence. Mm-hmm. 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 And and it's one of those things where you don't want that energy that he brings, even if he's off, leaving the team as a whole. Because to this day, and this rings true, I think, from day one that Kelly Oubre came to the Suns to today, the other players feed off of what Oubre does and how Oubre operates and the energy that he brings. And you don't want to, you don't want to inhibit that in any sort of way. Right. So ultimately, it sounds like you and I are both on the same page, and that is perhaps less about Ubre versus Bridges, but more how do we get Ubre and Bridges on that court together more often with right. with the guys that have shown collectively to be the best lineup that the Suns have. Exactly. Next we're gonna talk about what I think might be the favorite topic of fanning the flames. <laughs> DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> So fair topic of half of fanning the flames. <laughs> you don't like talking about DeAndre Ayton? I didn't say that. I just said I don't think it's my favorite topic. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I, it's enjoyable. At least it's been for the last 
week or so. Per- perhaps, <laughs> perhaps the the most discussed topic on <laughs> Fanning the Flames, DeAndre Ayton. Now, speaking of which, as you alluded to, the past week has been fantastic. We've seen recent performances from Ayton of 26 and 21, 26 and 15, 25 and 12. And that's with what I think Suns fans as a whole can all agree is much improved defensive awareness and effort. Yes. Maybe some people would even say he's starting to pass the eye test. I don't know because <laughs> I don't believe in that bullshit, but maybe some people would say that. The question, what do you believe in, Justin? DeAndre Ayton. But if, That's what I believe in. But if you, if you don't believe in the eye test, are you an analytics guy? Yeah, we went over that. I'm totally <laughs> full, full on analytics at this point. I'm a guy that believes in performance. And whether a guy looks aggressive or not, if he's putting up statistics that are heads and sho- head and shoulders above similarly situated players at that age, then he's performing. If people have unrealistic expectations for him or any other player, then that's their problem. But you can't There's sit here. A lot of here. people have problems. <laughs> right. There are a lot of people with problems out there, Paul. You can't sit here and tell me that he's not performing based on where he is in his career and what he's doing right now. Okay? Right. But that begs the question, what are the realistic expectations for DeAndre Ayton? Because the way I see it, once he went for 26 and 21, a certain group of folks seem to think that's what he should do every night, which is obviously that's incredibly ridiculous. unrealistic. Right. Yeah, I mean... And maybe I'm using a little bit of hyperbole there, but you get what no, I'm saying. No, you're not. Okay, I'm not. So somewhere below that, there is a realistic expectation. So, Paul, what, do you, what, what are your realistic expectations for DeAndre? What do you think, in your heart of hearts, all things taken into consideration... Do you think DeAndre should be doing on a night-to-night basis that would be in line with where you think a player like him should be at? 22 and 12 would be my ideal. I mean, he's still a second-year player. He's still growing into the game. He missed a ton of time in his second year. But, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of it's... I'm, I'm basing it off of the idea that we talk about him as like his ideal could be Carl Towns. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I kind of with, looked at with, his with potentially better defense at this point. Potentially, I mean, yeah. I, he's the, the funny thing is Towns, came, Towns came in with a defensive reputation and just threw it out the right. window. Maybe that's Minnesota. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's too cold to play defense there. Um, but Ta- Towns average in his second year. 25 and 12. Okay. Town shoots threes, so you get an extra like point or so here or there. Aiden doesn't yet. Yet. So I I could see 22 and 12 would be like, I would be ecstatic if that was what his average is at the end of the season. Ecstatic? Ecstatic. So, so 22 and 12. Yeah. With a block and a half. Okay. And that's a little below what he's been doing as of late. Yes, because I, as of late, has been, you know, he's on a he's on a good stretch right now. But I, if this is the norm, awesome. 
I mean, if he if he if something clicked in his head and he's like, like oh, selling a selling a foul and that means I get free throws is a good thing. Which is a great point because that was a huge knock on him, and I think over the past what he had eleven the other day and eight. eight. Yeah, he had. I think he over these last three games he doubled his free throws for mm-hmm. the season or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy stupid like that. So like if that becomes the norm, I mean, if you have eight, and who and apparently he's a like most big guys suck at shooting free throws. He's shooting ninety two percent. Yeah, he shoot. He's one percentage point less than Booker, who is I believe fourth mm-hmm. in the league right now. Yeah, something like Granted, that. Granted, much bigger sample size, but sure. But yeah, I mean, if you've got who's great just, at drawing fouls and, too, and let's just assume Aiton can shoot free throws at an eighty eighty five percent clip. Right, that's fantastic. I, I'm going to say that I expect more from Aiton than you do. Okay. Which I don't know how that works with the whole pessimistic, optimistic point of view. Am I am I being pessimistic by expecting more? See what I'm saying? But or are you being optimistic that you believe that he can achieve exactly, more? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But I, 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 I'm not far off from you. At this point in his career, if we're looking at I, – I would look at 25 and 12. I mean I think 25 points for him per game, if his usage is right, isn't out of the question. And his usage has been up this year. Mm-hmm. His usage rate is up. He's taking more shots this year too, which I think right. is really important because that's one thing I recall talking about last season. That is, you know, Devin Booker, excuse me, DeAndre Ayton taking twelve shots a game like he did last year wasn't wasn't sufficient. He shouldn't be taking only twelve shots a game this year. Right now, again, small sample size, he's taken 14 and a half, just over 14 and a half. That's for the whole season? Right. Was he, what was, has he been taking in the last three, those games where he's been, the last couple games when he's been kind of dominating? So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, last game against the Spurs, he took 14, still put up 25. The game before that against Boston, he took 22. Yeah, that yeah that wasn't very efficient. Yeah, but he got to the line 11 times. This is true. And then game before that against the Knicks, he took 15 very efficiently. And and it's kind of been like that across the board. I mean, looking back, just running through the games, 14, 15, 16, 14, 14, 11, 13, 9. Um, and then his first came his first game back after the the suspension he took nineteen. So they're getting him the ball in situations where he's shooting more, which is obviously a good thing for a guy that has the ability that he has. Right. And the other thing I've noticed about like particularly the last couple games, they're not just getting him the getting him the ball. They're getting him the ball closer to the basket. Like he's not out on the elbow or like. At that point where he's going to do that turnaround fadeaway that he loved, mm-hmm. that he that not that it's not a bad shot because he actually shoots it at a pretty decent clip. It's just it's a it's a fadeaway, so it's harder harder to draw a foul on that shot, and you know it's a jump shot. It's yeah. a lower percentage. You get him under that basket. There's few players in this league who can stop him. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, to put it simply, at the end of the day, you want the ball in his hands. The closer the hoop he is, when you get that ball in his hands, the better. Right. 
And the Suns have been putting him, like you said, in, in the right I position. Mean, hey, to do if that. we start doing three more three quarter of the court uh, alley oops, I'll do those all day. That was <laughs> I. I really feel like that didn't get nearly as much pub as it should have. That was a ridiculous pass by Ricky Rubio. Like, well, it's not even just the pass. Like, I don't, why is Aiden even looking yet? Because because you got always got to be looking with Ricky Rubio. Always, always. <laughs> So are you saying DeAndre Ayton has great offensive awareness too? Is that what you're sure. Saying? Yeah. No, I mean, no, it was it, that 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 play. I mean, it was one of those. It's towards the end of the game, like at the very end of the game. Yeah. Game was already decided. Well in hand. But you can't understate how amazing of a play that was all around. From Rubio a thinking to throw that alley oop from where he was. To Aiton, B, B, looking for it, catching it, and putting C, it down. C, not Rubio being accurate enough right. right? to get it, like, like he got it the equivalent of shooting that basketball. He was so accurate in where he placed that for Aiton to... Maybe he should, like, think about his three-pointers. This is more like <laughs> passes passing. to the basket. Yeah. <laughs> just change that mindset and everything gets better. It's just better. a pass to the basket. It's just a pass to the basket. Just pass it into the hoop. That's all. Um, well, let's talk about, too, how much has Aiton improved defensively this year? And I'm not just yeah, talking that's... about the blocks, but just his ability to alter shots without fouling. Has been phenomenal this year. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Vihill, who's uh, one of the hosts of the Timeline podcast, I another podcast you don't listen to. I do not. They do a great I'm, job. I'm sure they're fantastic. They do a great job. No offense to any podcasts out there. I just don't listen to podcasts <laughs> except for the solar panel only because I love they're you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Um, he had a tweet, and I'm going to paraphrase this. I don't have it in front of me, but it basically said last last year he was he was looking for Aiton making multiple mistakes a quarter okay. on defense, okay. and now it's more like he's seeing that it's just multiple mistakes a game. Okay. If, you, if you get baby steps, baby steps, yeah, he's, he's improved. It, it, it shows improvement, right? I mean, and fans in general have this issue no matter what team, what sport it is. But they expect them to come in and be finished products. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's going to have a blown coverage here or there. The Gordon Hayward play against the Celtics near the end that miraculously didn't go in. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that was his coverage. I don't know if it was Booker's coverage. I don't know if it was a combination of the two and just miscommunicate miscommunicating there or what happened there, but he was the closest guy at the end of the day. Right. And he didn't even know that he was there. Right. So there's things happen. It happens to the best players and the best defenders in the league too. It's just how often it happens, but he's growing and he's showing strides. So I can't fault him for having mistakes right right now. When it's he's clearly showing effort, he's clearly showing improvement. You know, it's just part of it's just reps, and part of it's you know stamina. Because you know, particularly at the end of the game, like he was, he's his stamina isn't up to the level of a lot of the other players. Maybe it's because he was on a suspension, and it's just hard to get 
true game shape. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just something. As much as you can practice, and I say this like I know what I'm talking about, but I, full disclosure, I've never played a game in the NBA, so I don't know for sure. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that getting in shape and competing in practice on a day to day basis is nothing like being in shape for an NBA game. Right. So, yeah, and that's that's still something that's coming into play. But nonetheless, I mean, his last two games, or his last last game, he played 39 minutes. Right. Two games before, they played 35 minutes each. So he's, he's getting those minutes up there. And, and one thing, too, that I feel like should get some attention that doesn't is, you ever notice how good Aiton is at when he gets a block actually controlling the ball? He's, he's, he, he will, from time to time... Swat one and put it into like the third row, but his last his last two or three games, I recall at least three blocks where he blocked it and controlled the ball after blocking it, which I think is huge. Yeah, because you're 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 not only blocking a shot, which can be a momentum you're not just ending a possession. Yeah, you're it can be a momentum building play, but excuse me, you're like you said while yawning, creating a turnover. You're taking away a possession from the other team. I mean, if you block it and throw it out into the stands, they still have a shot to right. score on that possession. You block and you control it, they're not going to score, clearly, because the possession is over. Clearly. And maybe some people will look at that as Aiton not being aggressive enough because... No, it, that, that's... Shut up, Excellent Paul. defense. It's clearly... Clearly, <laughs> I'm making a point here. No. Those, I, I like uh, those, those people points. who want him to be more aggressive might think, well, if he blocked into the stands, it would show him caring. But the play at the end of the day becomes a much more efficient and better play for the team as a whole. And I think that's part of something that, again, people don't give him credit for or haven't been given him credit for yet enough this year, and that is the defensive IQ that we're seeing well, out of I think, And, you know, with our, with our patented uh, half-assed stats, mm-hmm. I believe I saw, and again, I can't find the tweet, he's... And granted, he this is on because he's got a limited population, so I don't know if he truly qualifies yet, but it's a good sign to come. He is, I want to say, top five in the league with regards to opponents' field goal percentage on shots he's defending. Hmm. I don't know that for sure, but I it, it, it certainly sounds like it makes sense to me. I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong. Because don't, don't. that wouldn't feed into my I'm narrative. Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. So what have we ascertained here today? We've ascertained, one, Mikhail Bridges and Kelly Oubre need to be on the court more together. With Well, Mikhail Bridges needs to be on the court more, period. Fair. That will require them him to be on the court more with Kelly Oubre. They are very good on the court together. So we need to maximize their time on the court together. Beautiful. And we've ascertained that while we might be a little bit off in terms of what we think is realistic for DeAndre Ayton, we're in the same ballpark and we have established that DeAndre Ayton is making strides across the board to improve himself as a player, to improve this team as a whole, and to maybe someday pass that eye test. I mean, I would say the last couple games kind of passed the eye test. I'll take your word on that because I don't believe in it. Well, Pure analytics. Well, the people who are complaining, 
And to my argument on that episode a few weeks back where I was like, I understand where people are saying he doesn't pass the eye test because he's not playing aggressive. He's playing like a jump shooter. He has not been playing like a jump shooter these last couple games. He's been playing like the guy who is a beast on the court. Like other players are afraid to go up against him. And because that's what people want. That's what you want to see out of your people. At least people think that's what they want out of DeAndre Ayton. And he's finally giving it to him. And it's actually proving dividends. So from that standpoint, I think there's a level of he's starting to pass the eye test. Okay. Last thought here and we'll wrap up. All right. We've talked about where you think it is realistic in terms of what DeAndre Ayton can do now. What do you see his peak being? What do you expect from him in terms of his career when it hits the apex? Well, I, I think before we get into that, what I'd like to say is I would, when I said my 22 and 12, I think that would be my ideal. I would be happy if he does 18 and 10. I would still think that is a successful season for him. I think doing like 22 and 12 is he has taken a leap. 18 and 10 is he's shown growth. Okay. That, but my, so. I, to, I wholly disagree with you on that, but go on. Well, just, just the amount, of, the number of players in this league who play that position in the history of the league who have averaged 22 and 12 is pretty small, period, let alone in their second year. Fair. So it's just, so I'm just, I'm trying to, Temper, temper expectations because, and that goes back to date what Dave King was trying to argue on Twitter since the 25, 26 and 20 game was basically it's like when there are people saying this is what we should expect every night. He's like, no, that's fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think, I don't even know if Wilt did that. And Wilt was like the, like statistically the greatest center ever or arguably like he, I think he, he averaged like. I'm going to go out on a season. limb and assume that Wilt Chamberlain, at some point in his career, averaged 20 and 20. I, I'm going to look it up right now. Keep talking. Then, if he did, he's the only guy who ever did. But, um, so to expect that in today's modern game, it's like virtually impossible. Nobody's done that. Like just even having that number, like having 20 rebounds in a game, is rather rare. So, that's. An impossibly high standard to to keep. The twenty five and twelve that he had against the Spurs is more in line with kind of what is reasonable. And then I just knocked off a couple points because it's still twenty five a game is still a lot for a second year player. For the record, Will Chamberlain averaged twenty and twenty ten times in his career. Did he? Holy shit! <laughs> ten times. <laughs> so he's like, but like. That's what happens when you ain't old, you know, recognize what he did. But anyway, no, I get, I get where you're coming from. I, I, but, but, but the 18 and 10 thing catches me off guard mm. because that would be an improvement of only two points per game from last year and actually a drop in rebounds per game. So okay. that's why I say that. Okay. You didn't answer my question, though. What do I see as his potential? Yeah. What do you see him at his apex? At his apex? 27 and 14. Okay. 
with I'm cool with that. Two to three blocks. I'm cool. Twelve blocks. Got it. Cool. No. Twelve blocks a game. Yes. I got I, I expect a triple double. With blocks. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Okay. Well, okay. On that note, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. Like we always say here, we appreciate you all listening, bearing with us with our fantastic son's takes week in, week out, not so much. And until week-ish. next time, weekish <laughs> in, weekish out. And until now, let me step back. Twitter, so says Jay Paul. Dervish World. Pod is at Fan of Flames NBA, and until next time, depending on when you're listening, have yourself what? Don't forget, you can still find you can find the pod at BrightSideOfSun.com. I knew you were going to say that. someday I'll actually remember to talk about BrightSideOfSun.com. You're and welcome, Dave. Depending on when you're listening to this pod, thank you for listening. Have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Good evening. Just